Hi there, welcome back to Understand the Bible. And in this episode, we are finishing off the book of Judges, Judges chapter 19, 20 and 21. And if you'd like to go back and go uh, go through the rest of Judges, we've been working through it from about uh, chapter eight. Um, and I'll put the link up if you want to go back and, and, and go from the beginning. But this is the last one in uh, in Judges so far. Quite a long chunk this one, but I think it's important to take it as as one chunk, and we'll see why as we as we go through. But of course, we're not going to go through sort of verse by verse. And this is just a little reminder. As per usual, I'm not going to to read out the whole passage, and I just couldn't today because it would take far too long. If you'd like to read it, um, I think it would be worth reading just to have in your mind what happens in the story or or listen to it. So I'll put the link down below to go to uh, Bible Gateway and you'll be able to have a read or a look through and see what's going on there and then come back to this and it will probably make a bit more sense. Now have you ever had one of those moments in your life when you think what what is wrong with the world today? You know that there's an event that happens which just kind of puts things in perspective and you just kind of think oh that's so so wrong what on earth is wrong with people what is what on earth is wrong with the world well this is a bit like what's happening with with this episode of judges it's an incident which has been chosen to illustrate just how bad things have got that's its purpose it's it's meant to show us the state of, of israel at this point and actually it's not it's not chronological you know we we know that from uh, chapter 20 verses 27 and 28 it talks about Phineas being the the high priest at that point well Phineas was actually we know a high priest early on in the um, in the time frame that judges is looking at so this is an episode which occurred sort of fairly early on in the history of judges but it's been cherry picked to illustrate by by the narrator to illustrate how bad things are in the history of of Israel at this point so this incident, uh, not chronological, but there to, to show us, there with a particular purpose, just to show us. And um, we'll, we'll come on to exactly what it shows us in, in one moment's time. And let's just quickly run through the events of the story, uh, what, what happens in it. So a Levite who lived in a remote hill, uh, area in the hill country of Ephraim, took a concubine and she was unfaithful so she left him and went back to her parents home in Bethlehem and then her husband after four months he goes to persuade her so so it kind of starts out with something which isn't right anyway I mean I don't think that taking of concubines is something which was really permitted by the law um, I mean people used to do it but I don't think it was really what what God wanted so there's there's one thing straight off the bat which isn't which isn't good that this Levite was was doing that uh, but then she's unfaithful to him so he goes to to find her and uh, and he finds her and, and he comes back and this um, her her father um, the man's father-in-law he is a very generous host you know he keeps urging the man to to stay a bit longer and uh, you know to, to kind of enjoy more hospitality he he seems like to be a very kind and generous and hospitable man I mean this was a hospitable culture but this man just kind of takes it to, to excess um, and he he you know is a really generous man 
Um, and I think this just serves to set up and highlight the contrast of what happens in the next section. So what happens is they, they leave eventually and um, they say, well, let's stop at this city of, of the Jebusites, um, Jeb Jebus or Jebus or however you, you're supposed to pronounce it, which was, uh, which became Jerusalem. And, um, and they say, well, let's stop here. And his master replied, this is verse 12. No, we won't go into any city whose people are not Israelites. We will go on to Gibeah, to, to an Israelite city. And you wonder, was the kind of the subtext there? Oh, you never know what might happen in a pagan city. You never know what might happen if, if you know, we don't stick with the Israelite city. How little did they know what was about to happen? And so then they, they go to Ephraim and a man uh, takes them in. And he's not actually from Gibeah, but the man takes them in for the night and it says in verse 22, while they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house. Pounding on the door, they shouted to the old man who owned the house, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. Now, those, are, those of you who have read the book of Genesis will immediately be thinking, ah, I recognise this. This is like what happened in Sodom. You remember back in, in the time of Abraham and Lot um, and so on that in the, in the city of Sodom they went to stay and men surrounded the house and were banging on the door saying bring out the men who came so we can have sex with them. Almost, almost to a word it's, it's the same kind of thing and it's supposed to, to raise those, um, those images in our mind. You know the writer of uh, judges wants us to see that kind of association saying like Gibeah is like the new Sodom and so and this is happening within an Israelite city by the way that's the shocking thing this is happening within an Israelite city that's how that's how shocking it is so the the man and um, the owner of the house they say don't do this vile thing you know, here's the concubine here's my daughter uh, and th and so basically they they give give this kind of mob the, the concubine instead and they send her out to them and they have their way with her until dawn. You think what a terrible thing to do, you know, the complete lack of moral courage to actually say no, you know, we won't, we won't give you anything. Uh, I'm not sure that I would like to have been in that situation what I would do but um, I like to think that I, I wouldn't have done, uh, I wouldn't have done that. That is a, a particularly um, uh, cowardly thing to do I think to send out the concubine instead of uh, instead of themselves and facing it well um, what happens is that uh, they they rape her and they um, and she she dies as a result of this overnight and so um, the the Levite he takes the concubine and um, cuts her up sends into 12 pieces sends her to the 12 tribes of Israel and says look what such a terrible thing should happen in Israel what are you going to do about it and, uh, and then this brings us on to chapter 20 where the Israelites they gather together and they they're mourning saying well how terrible that something like this should happen and they group together to punish well they actually want to punish the people of the city of Gibeah but the Benjaminites who uh, Gibeah is among that that tribe the Benjaminites refuse to give up the people of Gibeah and again, it's one of those moments where you, you, you want to say this, this demonstrates 
how bad things are because this is the new Sodom which became in the Old Testament it's like the epitome of of evil and wickedness and Gibeah was like that and the people the people of, of the Benjaminites they would not give over this city to be punished so Israel basically had to punish the Benjaminites and they actually killed about 25,000 of them. I mean, you can read the story and in, in how it all happened, but it almost wiped out the tribe of, of Benjamin, uh, which kind of um, leads on to chapter 21, where the Benjaminites, they don't have any, any young men. They don't have any wives. So they have to resort to some very odd kind of tactics to, to give them wives, to give sort of young um, women and, and um, you know, give them in marriage. It's a very odd um, story, a very odd episode. Now, what? why is this in the Bible? You know, what is going on? All these stories about cutting people up and rape. and It's horrible, absolutely horrible. Now, what is this doing in the Bible? Well, what this is doing in the Bible, I think, is explained by what we read at the beginning and at the end. Chapter 19, verse 1. In those days, Israel had no king. And then right at the end of chapter 21, Verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. I think that is the purpose of it. This is complete moral confusion and anarchy. This is, this is what happens when you, you have human nature in the raw. You know, this is what people are like when they turn completely turn away from God. And when human desire just goes mad. It, there's no, there's absolutely no sense of right and wrong. There is just um, justice which is administered kind of haphazardly. There is uh, wrongdoing which is done, terrible wrongdoing, and the administering justice is done with just almost almost as much wrong as the uh, as the original wrong. So there's just absolutely no kind of sense of, of right or wrong. Really, there's no. Um, you know, no coherence to it all. Um, it's just a mess. It's chaos. It's anarchy. This is what the, the writer of Judges is saying. This is what happens when we have no king, when we turn away from, uh, from the true king, when we turn away from God. This is what happens. And I think we shouldn't be shocked by this, you know, because this is, this is what, what human nature is really like when we take the mask off. You know, it's not it's not so different from today's world. You know, consider some of the things that are happening around the world and even within our country in, in the UK, as I'm recording this today. You know, that for example, there are over 200,000 abortions every year. That's about 800 every working day. And that is about one fifth of all pregnancies. I think one fifth of all pregnancies in the UK end with the baby dying, the baby being killed because it's not wanted. Think how terrible that is. I mean, that you'd have to go back to the ancient Romans to find that level of brutality, of kind of infant mortality, intentionally. Uh, it, it's terrible. Um, I think, you know, we're thinking about Sodom. Now, um, I know that this isn't a video where I'm going to talk about um, homosexuality or any of those kind of related issues. You can see some of my other um, videos about that uh, if you want to look and I'll put the link up. Uh, but it's now promoted everywhere and you know you, you can't get away from it 
and it's actually become a crime to say that you know you disagree with with same-sex marriage i mean you can be thrown out of political parties you can be um you know cast out but the twitter mob can get you um, for doing all of those kind of things uh even with children now you know it's being taught and um the transgender issue as well it's really kind of um become something that that the government and other organizations are trying to promote in teaching children and getting them at a young age in this new kind of sex and relationships education um, thing which is coming in um soon um and and so on and so forth you know we're in a terrible problem with gambling with debt um i just heard the other week that christians against poverty uh, cap it's a great organization helping people to get debt free but they are not taking any new clients at the moment because they're so overwhelmed and that's because people just want more stuff you know they're spending too much they can't deal with money they're getting into debt and cap can't handle it anymore for the time being and this is the the society that we live in you know it's just a complete kind of moral confusion and everyone is just doing whatever they think is right for themselves not looking to the wider interests not looking to society not looking to love god and to love their neighbor that's the society that we live in um this is just what the bible predicts this is what the bible predicts about human nature we often have a view of human nature that we're actually pretty good and that you know we can manage it on our own that we're we're basically okay but the bible won't let us uh, won't let us think about human nature like that this is what the apostle paul says in romans he assembles some quotes from the old testament to explain what human nature is like and this is his list of of quotes there is no one righteous not even one there is no one who understands there is no one who seeks god all have turned away they have together become worthless there is no one who does good not even one their throats open graves their tongues practice deceit the poison of vipers is on their lips their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know there is no fear of god before their eyes and that's romans chapter 3 verses 10 to 18 that's what the apostle paul says human nature is like there's no no kind of intrinsic goodness to us and that when we turn away from god this is what happens that we become we become corrupt and our kind of corruptness just just shows through and it's interesting isn't it that a couple of these quotes that he says have have, have talk about turning to god seeking god and fearing god and that's that's the most important thing you know that when we turn away from god spiritual degeneration if you like leads to doing the wrong thing leads to moral degeneration so spiritual de- degeneration comes first then moral degeneration comes afterwards and i think we see that in our country in the uk and in a lot of western countries you know they've turned away from god and that happened long ago you know people just sort of stopped going to church people um you know did didn't really care about god and it's becoming more and more difficult actually to be a person of faith especially to be a christian in in public life uh, and at the same time that the things didn't just descend into chaos straight away but i think we're beginning to see it more and more now and it's because we've turned away from god that's the root cause 
Now, when we turn away from God, then that kind of moral degeneration will soon follow after. And that is exactly what what has happened, I think, here in the UK and is happening and is happening more and more. And in a lot of Western countries as well, turn away from God and face that kind of moral problem as well, moral anarchy and chaos. And so what Judges is doing really, although it may seem alien, actually Judges is holding up a mirror to our society and it's saying, yes, it may seem like that that was a long time ago and that was bad, but actually things are just as bad now. You know, scratch the surface of what's going on in our society. And really, we're on the par with what was happening in Judges in, in many ways. So what what can we conclude from this passage? What can we take from the end of Judges as we want to take this into into the week? What can we learn from it? The book of James in the New Testament says in James 1 verse 27, that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James says that true religion involves doing good. You know, we should be seeking to do good, um, but also to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, knowing that the world is polluted, knowing that the world is, is corrupt. You know, I said earlier about there being um, no good in us. I mean, we are made in the image of God. There is good in that respect, but we're all corrupted. That's the thing, that all of the uh, all of our human nature is kind of corrupted, so it, we can go off the rails. We can end up focusing on our own desires rather than what God wants us to do. And that's that's the way that the world is at the moment. And we need to be aware of that and to keep ourselves from being polluted by that kind of attitude, of that selfish attitude of focusing on our own desires rather than on what God wants us to do, rather than on loving him and loving other people in, in the ways that God has given us to love. And, you know, a lot of people, and unfortunately I think a lot of Christians, even a lot of Christian leaders, don't understand that kind of pollution and want to be friends with the world. I was thinking about this actually, you know, um, last week, I think, or a few days ago, there was a letter to the to the Times, uh, the London Times, which was saying, you know, why is it that very few bishops or no bishops actually at that point had actually spoken out about the issue of abortion in the election, um, you know, that the Lib Dems and Labour, I think, want to decriminalise abortion up until birth and, and so, sort of de-restrict it in that way. Why is it that none of the bishops have spoken up about this and said, you know, this is a very pressing moral issue. You know, we must take some action. Now, why is it that the bishops didn't speak up about that? And I wonder really whether it's because they, they're not convinced that it's all that that wrong. You know, maybe it's something to disagree with, but uh, it's not that big of a deal, perhaps. I don't know. But certainly we are called to keep ourselves free from the corruption of the world, to seek what God wants rather than what the world wants. Let's finish by just looking at um, quickly at a passage from the New Testament from the book of Ephesians. And this is um, a passage which talks about how we need to kind of move from the way that we used to live, the way that the world lives, and move to the way that God wants us to. And it talks about what that is. This is Ephesians chapter 4 and then verse 17 to 19. So I tell you this, And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 
having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So this is what Paul is saying the Gentile world, or the, not the Gentile, but the non-Christian world is like. They've given themselves over to sensuality. They don't know what's right or wrong. You know, we, mustn't, we mustn't follow them in that. And I think it's, this is a lesson from Judges. This is a warning for us because we are not beyond the judgment of the Benjaminites. You know, the Benjaminites, they thought they were safe because they were in the people of Israel. Uh, but actually they came under the judgment of God. And we too must uh, root out the evil from among us. We must, um, in our own lives, um, but also I think in terms of how we partner uh, with others as well, we must be careful in that not to condone evil because we, you know, we mustn't be partners with, with what is evil. Um, but, but that is the way that, that those who, who don't belong to Christ live. And we mustn't be like that. This is what Paul goes on to say. Uh, that, however, is not the way of life you learnt when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that's the thing. So Paul says, put off your old self. That was how you were. That was how you used to be before you came to Christ. But now you need to put on Christ, which is being renewed in, in true righteousness and holiness, to be, to be like God. All of the ways that God wants us to live, the love for him, the love for others, that is the self that we should put on now, that we belong to Christ. Now, Jesus is our only hope. And this, I think, is the real message of Judges. You know, that sin is too strong. We've seen what how powerful sin is. We've seen what it can do to people. We've seen how it can corrupt. But Jesus is the one who is more powerful, who is the one who, who can forgive us. He can forgive us whatever we've done, all of the times that we've sinned and we've not loved God, we've not loved others. Whatever we've done, Jesus can forgive us. But more than that, Jesus can transform us and Jesus can change us from the inside out by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, be working inside of us and making us to be into the kind of people that God wants us to be more and more day by day, made to love him, made to love others. So that's the message really of Judges, that Jesus is the one, sin is too strong, but Jesus is the one, our only hope, who can forgive us, who can transform us. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and I hope that you've enjoyed this series of Judges as we've gone through. Um, please do, uh, just a reminder as always, please do hit the thumbs up button, the like button, and please do hit the subscribe button if you'd like to see more of these videos or if you're on the podcast, you can follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Also, uh, if you're on the podcast, on Apple especially, could you please uh, leave a review uh, or a rating um, if, you, if you get around to it? It just helps new people to find, uh, to find this. That's one of the hardest things, you know, just getting this into the hands of people who will appreciate it. So if you know any, then please do um, feel free to share it and uh, to say, hey, you know, um, you might like this. So thank you very much, everyone, for watching. I've, I've really enjoyed doing Judges, and I hope that this has helped you to understand more about the Bible in, in quite a difficult book, um, lots of difficult bits to understand, but um, lots of good stuff to, for us to think about. So until next time, hope to see you again for another one of these very soon. God bless.